Welcome to Walking with Wealth Managers. I'm here in Edinburgh and I'm with Mark Little from TCAM, Investment Director. Welcome, Mark. Good afternoon. And uh, we're heading off towards the meadows to have a walk around there and find out about Mark's extensive and very interesting career. This is the meadow, so we can go... Um, let's go this way, it'll be less busy. Otherwise, people think we're mad talking away to ourselves. <laughs> Why on earth do you want to speak to an old, retired... Well, <laughs> I couldn't even help coming across. Uh, I saw your biography on the TCAM website and... Oh, right. Really? You, yeah. Is that what it's... And I'm, it's not often that you kind of see someone that has trained as a safari ranger and then now also right. come back to TCAM, head of Barclays in Scotland. Uh, you've been a fund manager as well. Yeah. So you kind of... Um, yeah, I covered a broad remit within the investment industry. And that's kind of, I guess, was one of my first questions. Looking at all those amazing things that you've done, we normally ask, how did you get to where you are now? But obviously, you have done quite a lot. I don't know if it's possible to even put it into a bit of a plotted history, your career so far. No, it's quite straightforward. It's, um, I've had four distinct careers, all of which have interlinked in some respects. So I qualified as an accountant with Pricewaterhouse. Um, and then spent two years with Pricewaterhouse out in Durban in South Africa, which is where I developed a love of wildlife and, and the whole African continent, really. Why did you head out there in the first place? Or when you... um, it was 1989. Nobody else that I knew had ever been to South Africa at that point. It was in the middle of the apartheid. Um, but I was always fascinated by... I, I was playing rugby as well at the time, so I went out to play rugby out there. And um, I was blessed because I arrived in 1989 and, and at the time Nelson Mandela got released in 1990 and the whole country just just changed dramatically. Say, it must have just been a complete transformation. Oh, it was incredible. And, and I don't know, have you been to South Africa? I have. I went on a school hockey and netball tour many years ago now. Where to? Down to the Cape uh, Town? We did we did Cape Town. Yeah. Uh, we went up to Stellenbosch. Well, uh, well Hermanus. Okay, so you, you don't need to say anymore. You've, if you've been down there and seen it, it's, it, it's quite stunning. It's amazing. And um, so, you know, it developed a lifelong love of mine for all things Africa. I go back once or twice every year. I go back on safari. I go on, we cycled two and a half thousand kilometers around Namibia last year. And we're going back to Swaziland next year for another big cycle. God. So my wife and I and some friends, 10, ten friends. So That's amazing. Well, but it's beautiful. If you like nice wine, you like good food and <laughs> you can't go wrong. good sport, good beaches, uh, some stunning scenery, great wildlife. I should work for the tourist board because it is, <laughs> and it's and the great thing is, as you know, it's a, it's such an easy flight. It's you know you fly downhill yeah, with no no time difference. No time difference. So yeah, so that's. So that's, did you take a break from the accountancy to do the safari? No, no, that was that came later. Okay. Uh, that came in. I, I've been going back to South Africa every year since I left, just about and. Um, when I left, let me get this right, when I left Deutsche Bank, I took a, I took a year out and um, one of the things I did, I went and qualified as a game ranger, spent 12 weeks or so, whatever, learned, oh no, it wasn't as long as that actually, but uh, learned, learned, got my basic 
upgrade field yeah. field rangers guide. Now I would say, by the way, this is I, I've never I've never actually taken I would not be allowed to take anyone into the bush. And, okay. And despite learning all about the birds and the and the physiological aspects of wildlife and how to track, yeah, get out the mud as well. Eh? <laughs> Gave it picks up on the um, I mean, the only thing you really need to know is that. As long as you can run faster than the slowest person in your group, you're, <laughs> you're, you're safe. You're pretty safe. Everything else is just, it's just for the tourist. Yeah. That's not quite true, but. but. You must have seen some amazing things. Were you helping in conservation or? No, no, really no, no. I my daughter's done that. She's gone out and helped in conservation. But um, no, I, I, it's just an interest to me. Um, I, I mean, there is a, there is a funny story actually about when I was doing my game ranger course. Um, and how I ended up actually at Barclays um, and the headhunter, well, but cut the story short, we'd been following a herd of elephant on foot for a couple of days and had got very, very close to them. And we were downwind of them. Um, so we were reasonably safe and then suddenly the wind changed direction and, and they were aware or conscious that something was in their bush, in the bush. And suddenly, my phone rang. And my phone hadn't rung. There was no reception. I don't even know what I was doing with my phone in my pocket. But it was a headhunter asking, was I, was I able to take this job to run, to run Gerard Investment Management? At which point, this huge bull elephant took fright and charged us. Hi, Sergey. Um, so, oh, I always said to this headhunter, you know, thanks for getting me the job, but you almost killed me in the process. But, what did it turn and charge towards you? Yeah, no, it came came straight at us. We we had to we had to sort of make ourselves because you can't run. You have to make yourselves big and face up to it. And huge, big flapping of ears and stamping of feet and dust and tusks everywhere. And but it stopped about twenty feet away from us. And I'm you, still I'm still, still here. here. I spent two very happy years in Durban. Uh, came back and was approached by what was Scottish Widows at yep. the time and asked uh, the boss there was my coach at the rugby club so <laughs> again like you it's who you know <laughs> yeah um, yeah and he asked would you mark are you interested in we have a job as a fund manager here at Scottish Widows I so I took that job and had seven very very happy years running their flagship eventually running their flagship equity income fund oh. or the equity UK equity fund sorry I should yeah. say and um, loved it absolutely loved it and that was my I suppose that was my entry into financial services and, mm. and stock markets and I, I actually arrived as well I started just two years before well, 19 well the, the, the crash Black Monday was 1980 gosh I'm trying to remember now it was 87 mm -hmm. so you know I've been through I'm 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 I have the advantage over many of the young Turks who come into this industry and I've actually seen stock markets go down. Yeah, yeah, you've got that. You know, we're in a 10-year bull run at the moment, you know. A lot of kids who are in this industry have never seen, you know, they've, they've never seen an interest rate rise until yeah, last week. Yeah. They've never seen a stock market crash. You know, I've seen two, 87 and 2007. So, you know, it's... Uh, Experiences. Well, that's, what, that's what the grey hair is for. <laughs> Well, so then you had your seven years of... So yeah, I did seven, so I spent seven very happy years at Scottish Widows, running, as I say, their, their flagship UK fund. 
and with reasonable success and, and was, was then approached by what was at the time NatWest Securities mm. um, uh, and asked was I interested in coming onto the other side of the fence, the, the sell side I suppose, yeah. having been on the buy side and uh, so I joined NatWest and, and became a, an analyst, an equity analyst covering the UK engineering vehicle sector. Um, and again, there's a symmetry to this. Spent seven or eight years there. Is that your your key yeah, period of time? Yeah, the seven-year itch. Your key tenure. Um, I've never, you know, I actually have never in all my life. Well, that's, it's not. That's not true. I was going to say I've never had a CV. I have got a CV, obviously, because I'm doing non-exec work. Your LinkedIn now. page is quite impressive. Yes, I have got like. a CV, but I've never looked. I've never, I've never actively approached anyone about a job. And opportunities. it's just been pure opportunities and people have approached me and so and I was approached and I'd never thought about leaving Scottish Widows but I was approached and moved onto the sales side and became an, an equity analyst with NatWest. Um, we went through a couple of iterations at NatWest. We were bought by Bankers Trust very briefly and then event, then sold to Deutsche Bank. So yeah. we became we became Deutsche Bank and uh, I ended up running part of their global equities business at Deutsche Bank mm -hmm. uh, with responsibility for all of the um, automotive equity research at Deutsche Bank. So, and was this in Edinburgh? Well, or it was bit well. I, I, all over. I've I've been very clever in that. I've I've been I've managed to do essentially a a city job with a bed in Edinburgh all my life, and it it hasn't. I, I guess you're born and bred in Edinburgh. I'm not born, but I. Read most of all life. my life, almost schooling, all my, you know, most of my life. So I've never, I've never actually become a willy, <laughs> which is uh, you work in, work in London, live in Edinburgh. Yeah, okay. So lots of friends you travel down on a Sunday night or a Monday morning, or you become a twat, <laughs> okay, which is Tuesday, that? Wednesdays, and Thursdays in London. Right, okay, midweeker. Midweeker. So, but I've never, so I've always managed to, basically, do the job from Edinburgh. It meant a lot of travel because. When I was at Deutsche Bank, the team I was looking after was based in San Francisco, New York, Frankfurt, Paris, mm -hmm. Tokyo, wow. London. So it was a, a truly global job. Yeah. So as I say, seven years, seven years at Deutsche Bank. And then uh, we closed down the Edinburgh. We had a very unique office here in Edinburgh with NatWest because we had a lot of the old Wood Mackenzie, Wood Mac mm. business based here. So we had a, an absolute superb group of analysts based up in here in Edinburgh who were a bit of a well-kept secret, but all number one ranked Extel analysts in oil and gas, leisure and hotels, um, insurance, automotive. Huge. So it was, a, it was a small business up here, but it was probably the jewel in the crown for Deutsche yeah. Bank. I'm just gonna, sorry to interrupt you but I just for the, the beauty of our listeners we're just walking <laughs> through the top is well, I don't know which end of the meadows it is but we've got Arthur's feet just in the distance and there's so quite a muddy looking game of football happening on one side which I'm hoping the ball doesn't cross our path otherwise I'll embarrass myself I'm trying to kick the ball back you should be able to see the castle soon we'll okay. turn around and go back towards the castle but uh, yeah. yeah it's pretty chilly <laughs> but not too bad for Edinburgh anyway no this is a glorious summer's day for Edinburgh <laughs> Probably about seven degrees. Um, so, uh, so Nat from Deutsche Bank, what became Deutsche so Bank? Deutsche Bank? So we closed down the uh, the Edinburgh office of NatWest, and a few of us decided time to 
to move on and do other things. And you know, there's only so many quarterly BMW results meetings that you can write anything original. And I think a few of us had just decided time to do other things. So I took that. That was when I took the opportunity to have some time out, and, and amongst other things, did my Game Ranger yeah. course. Uh, and then I've sort of Came told you a bit of this story yeah. as well. But yeah. uh, got approached to run what was Gerard Investment Management Business up here in yeah. Scotland, which at the time had just been taken over by Barclays, but, but Gerard was still the, the name. The Correct. So, yeah, so that was the next eight years. Yeah, and how was that? Because um, in part and parcel, that brings me on to another one of my questions, which was, where were you during the 2008 crash? And in particular, can you remember the moment when you found out that Lehman Brothers had collapsed? And this was obviously during your time at Barclays, so... How how how's that experience for you? Well, in some respects, we were right in the middle of all this because, and again, you know, you were busy at Newcastle University at the time, you or even before that, I don't know. But uh, if you remember, Barclays ended up buying Lehman Brothers, um, so we bought out the the distressed mm. the distressed business at Lehman's, and, and at the time, I think we thought we were being quite clever. Um, getting a, a, a an unbelievable investment banking platform for a, a distressed price. Um, to be honest, I, so although the parent company that I worked for was was heavily involved in a lot of what was going on during this crisis, you know, I was running the the wealth management part of the business. So, you know, we were looking after you know Granny Snooks's portfolio of of shares, and 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 it was a it, it was a genuinely um, confusing time because you know markets were going down, share, share valuations were collapsing, portfolio valuations were were coming under stress. But in a funny sort of way, it was also one of the most exciting periods because when one of the things that we were doing had been doing at Barclays over the last over the previous three or four years was Barclays had bought Gerard Investment Management and. I'm not quite sure they fully understood what they were buying, but what they'd bought was a quite an old-fashioned traditional stockbroking business that if you unscrewed the nameplate on the door of the office in Edinburgh, you'd see all sorts of old stockbroking businesses that had been acquired over the years, ranging from Greg Middleton to Cable Cure Sharp to Old Mutual to Gerard. And historically, and again, I, I'm generalizing massively here, but historically, stockbroking businesses had basically been a custodian for a lot of share certificates with, yeah. with not a great deal of diversification in place, not a great deal of, of, of globalization of where asset classes were, were spread. So you would, you would have a lot, of, a lot of portfolios which were filled with traditional FTSE 100 blue chip stocks and shares which were paying nice dividend yields and and for many clients they were they were just looking for a dividend yield out of their portfolio and a custodian who could look after them now this is hugely generalization but yeah. the point being that one of the things that Barclays had recognized was that we needed to have far more diversification of both asset classes and uh, spread of risk okay. in the portfolio so I'm not saying for one minute that 2007 2008 was a Good we, we, a good year, no, it certainly wasn't. But I suspect that if we'd, if we, if that had happened four years earlier, we would have been a lot worse off. Because I'm not convinced that our portfolios 
were correctly positioned to cater with, well, we never expected a crash of yeah, this magnitude, yeah. but, but you know, we'd be, when markets are going up, it's, it's, it's a reasonably easy game. The game, the game of a good wealth manager really is more about capital protection than, than trying to double someone's wealth or assets yeah, under exactly. management. So, so actually, I think we came out of the crash pretty well. How long was it you were at Barclays? Another eight years? <laughs> eight years, eight years, okay. eight years, yeah. And then so, the next step was kind of move into consultancy, am I Well, am I right? so the next step was I had, I had turned 50. We had reached a point where our business in Scotland, we'd grown it to about four billion of assets under management from, from one and a half billion. Yeah. And we were looking to consolidate um, the Scottish business into amalgamate it with England and Wales. So rather than have three regions, London, England and Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland, we yeah. wanted to have two. So it was quite a good time for me to step back and say, look, I'm, my work here is complete, so to speak. And it was, a, the, the timing was good for me because I turned 50, the, 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 my kids had all left home and I, and I decided it was time for me. I'd done 20 odd years of working for big global corporates and I just decided I wanted to do something maybe a little bit more entrepreneurial. And, okay. um, so two things, came, two things came out of that. Uh, the first thing is, um, so I, I had this idea that I would, I would develop a plural career of non-exec roles and, and um, invest in some of the businesses, angel companies that I, that I invest in and, and also you know, think about what entrepreneurial businesses I could do myself. And, yeah. What became very apparent very quickly was that I didn't really have an original idea in my head and I wasn't, I wasn't cut out to be an entrepreneur I was, I, and also I wasn't as big a risk taker as I thought I was. <laughs> so I very quickly realised that my skill sets were very much more in helping and advising and mentoring other people rather than um, you know, running my own business. I suppose the final piece of all this, which you're going to ask me, is, is the TCAM yeah. side yeah, of it. Why, why have you come back into the wealth industry? And, well, and I will TCAM. tell you why. I, I will tell you why. TCAM were a competitor of mine for many years oh, at, when I, I was at Barclays. Okay. They were part of a, a, a legal firm called Turk and Connell. Yeah. And I always had massive respect for them. I was a client, a legal client of the law firm, okay. and I had massive respect for them. So. When they did the buyout two years ago, they did a management buyout of the wealth management business from the legal firm and became a standalone business. Um, I had no intention of getting back into wealth management. I'd, I'd been approached by a number of businesses to, to come and work for them, but I said, look, I'm, I'm doing other things now. But the TCAM thing fascinated me because here you had a, a standalone startup wealth management business with over a billion pounds under management on day one. Yeah. No debt, with an incredible list of backers, and this is reasonably public knowledge, so the likes of Chris Minodi and mm -hmm. Bart Turtleboom, Stuart Mitchell, Hugh Little, who backed the business. And then you had a client list of just incredibly interesting clients. So you're starting from a position where you've just got this incredibly well-managed business run by really, really nice people with a lovely client list and an opportunity as an owner-managed wealth management business to do something slightly different to the Me Too operators out there. So they approached me and said, look, hi there. I have no idea who that was. So 
So they approached me and asked, did I have any time to help them with some business development and mm. some, and I was delighted to do it. You've obviously had this extensive career, but I um, quite naively thought before I started in kind of financial services, even albeit on the media side, but that this industry was all about numbers, it was all about maths, it was all about looking at graphs, but actually it's very much about the people it's that all... are powering it. And so I was intrigued to know who has inspired you in your career, who's been the most inspiring person throughout all the different sides of the investment industry you've worked on. I suppose if I had to choose one person, it would be a chap called Mark Kibblewhite, who was my boss at Barclays. And I, not only was he the most energetic, positive individual I've ever come across, he, 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 was, he did something that very few people do in industry in that he gave you, he gave you rope. And what I mean by that is he, he gave me a, a really interesting lesson once where I had my annual review with him once and it had been a good year, we'd done very well and um, he threw the bonus paper across the table and said, well done Mark, very good. And then he said to me, he said, but I want you to start making more mistakes. And I didn't understand, I never understood what he meant by that. And I, I, and I said, well, what do you mean? You don't want, he said, no, I, obviously I don't want you to make mistakes, but what I want you to do is I want you to put yourself in a position where you're taking, where you're taking a little bit more risk. What I mean by that, he said, I want you to start, I'm paying you to run this business and I want you to start making more decisions. He says, you, you, everything's too comfortable. You're taking all the right decisions, but, the, but, but you know, you don't need to ask me. I'm giving you responsibility to run this business. I want you to make those decisions. And he said, if you make a mistake, I'll support you to the hilt. Unless you make a really, really stupid mistake, then I'll sack you, he said. But, he said, I now, pretend not to know you. <laughs> but, but it was an incredibly sensible piece of advice and I know what he means you know a lot of us operate in comfort zones where you know what does good look like and sometimes you know you've got to push yourself a little bit and, and, and make those decisions and you don't have to keep asking for corroboration from your seniors you know we're, we're giving you the responsibility and so I said you know Kibbs was Kibbs was a very inspirational leader for me yeah it sounds like it and very nicely brings me on to my next question. He tells you to go out and don't be afraid of making mistakes, but what's been the best mistake you've learned from and what lesson did you learn from it? Oh, God. If you uh, had one, I'm not saying there are many. No, I've made loads of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you the worst, the worst experience I've had in business, which turned out to be ultimately one of the most one of the best, no, not the best experience, it couldn't have been the best, but I, uh, there was a day that, that's well, well chronicled, but there was a day um, a number of years ago when I had a knock on the door from the, 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 the chap who ran the Edinburgh office for me in, in, at, when, I, when we were at Barclays to say that he unfortunately was resigning and he was going to join another company. He was then followed by 21 of, his, of the staff all resigning en masse together to join another wealth management business and I just remember sitting in my office just absolutely clueless as to what to do next I had a fiduciary duty to look after about a billion pounds of client money and 60% of the office had just walked out that morning yeah. and my radar which is normally pretty good on these things had not picked up a single whiff of this and these were all these were all friends of mine these were these were people I I rated very highly um, but for reasons, you know, for other reasons, they wanted to go and set up and work for another business. Um, 
But that was, that was, that was an incredibly difficult period. Mm-hmm. But what it was, it, it gave us the chance to rebuild the business with, with our own people who were aligned with the, you know, the same uh, values that we had and the same, uh, the way we wanted to take the business. And to me, that was the turning point for the success that we had at Barclays in Scotland yeah. was the ability to, you know, and, and to, you know, as I said, these people were very good friends of mine and a lot of them were traditional stockbroking type from Gerard and Greg Middleton before, and they've gone on to forge a very, very successful business uh, now at Investec. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was a, that was a very, very difficult, um, very difficult time. Yeah. But there, there you go. There's a lovely view of the castle. Anyway, so there you go. So uh, okay. I don't know if that's the right answer, but... Um, I don't think there is a right answer, is there, Emma? I if, if, if I'd had some Especially time Especially in this industry, if everyone could have a crystal ball or know right from wrong or which funds are going to do well or which stocks are going to do well, then it wouldn't be... But something you said earlier is true. And, you know, it, of course, this, this business is about numbers and performance and, and allocation of risk. But, but in my... In my side of the business, on the wealth management side, it is really about people. You've come back into wealth management after, well, not really time out strictly as such, but do you think you're ever going to retire? Are you going to carry on taking on more new exciting opportunities? I, uh, when I left Barclays, I got a number of emails congratulating me on my retirement. <laughs> and I was so upset. I said to my wife, if people think... I'm retired, then this, we've got a lot, you know, first of all, I can't retire, goodness me, I've got another 40 years to live, it's got to be paid for somehow, but retirement, you should never retire, you should never retire. And, cut you know, back maybe? Or? Of course you cut back, of course you cut back and you change what you're doing and you have different work-life balance, but to retire, that's a terrible thing, your brain goes dead, if you're going to sit and watch Cash in the Attic every afternoon. You'll be, you'll be brain dead within two years. And there's so much to do. You'd, and the way that we work now is very different. It's not all about a, you know, a nine to five job. There's so many other things you can do. I've got six jobs I'm doing now. You know, I, I'm also lecturing. I also do some lecturing at the yes, university. Yes, I meant to ask you. You know, I, it's, you know I've, never, I've, I've now been able to do the Times cryptic crossword for the first time ever because my brain is now working in a different way. It's fantastic. So no, I will, I will change the, you know, the, the amount of work I do, but I, I don't think I'll ever properly retire. I'll always be dipping into something. Yeah. We're back to base. Yeah, that's good. Are we finished? Have you got yeah, enough? perfect. Yeah, no, that's definitely. I don't think that's going to be very interesting, but. Uh, mm-hmm.